brief announcement uh, that will build on Pastor Roland's message that he's about to share. Well, we have some unique ways to do life group this week. One, you can do the Bible study that's on our website, everynationlasvegas.org. Or two, as a life group, you could take a test that we have available for you after service to discover something that God has given us. Now, I'll talk about that more after the service is over because I don't want to steal Pastor Roland's thunder. And in fact, I think I'll just let, her th- let him thunder right now. So, Pastor Roland. Thanks, Pastor Matt. Good morning, everybody. All right, yeah, like Pastor Matt said, we were in muggy Florida. I lived there for four and a half years. And, uh, and then I lived in Guam for many years of my life. And uh, I don't know about you. I know the heat is something to be dealt with here, but I don't miss humidity. I just don't. And so yesterday, we were on our way back, and um, we checked out of, out of our hotel. We all got our last shower in and uh, made our way to the airport. And at the airport, I had to change my shirt. That's how humid and muggy it was. And so we uh, went down to West Palm Beach to visit. Um, my son had a friend down there that he visited and, uh, and on the way back, it was just, I mean, thank God for rain this morning. You guys see that? Isn't that nice, a nice change? Well, Florida had it, and it was coming down. And, I mean, it was like whiteout conditions. And so cars were pulling over, but we had to get to the airport. That wasn't an option. And so we drove back, but it was just muggy. And, but we got a day at the beach, which was good. And uh, it was warm water. Say warm. Because it was in Florida, not California. I, I love California. Um, I, I was born there. Uh, but that water is cold at their beaches. So anyway, we had a great time, uh, spent some time with our uh, ministry family, some of the other pastors, uh, and it's just great to, to sit under the word of some other guys and to fellowship with, you know, and hear what other people are doing around the, the nation. Uh, so it was, a, it was a North American conference, and it was just good stuff. We got to fellowship with some friends. Uh, so we always enjoy doing that. But I'm back. I'm excited uh, to... Share the word this morning. It's going to be a lot more information than it is um, anything else, okay? But I'm going to drop some nuggets on you, hopefully, uh, that will help with this, with this message. But we've been on this series about the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about that for about a month and a half now. We're coming to the tail end of that. We're about to, you know, we're in the final stretch. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to shift a little bit. We talked about who the Holy Spirit was, you know, and, and who he is and how he is the main agent from heaven right now who is called to walk with us. And so we pray in the name of Jesus, and we pray to God, but the Holy Spirit is the one that Jesus called. He said, when I leave here, I have to go so that the Holy Spirit can come and be with you. He wanted his presence to be with us. Jesus, you know, we can't figure out why. How, how is it better that Jesus left He's the all-star. He's like the Michael Jordan, the spiritual Michael Jordan. That's the guy you want on your team, right? He healed. He did all those things. But he said, I have to go so that the Holy Spirit can come. But for us, it's like, wait a minute, you're the MVP. Shouldn't you be with us all the time? But Jesus knew better. He said, if I go, the Holy Spirit comes, and he is your ultimate helper. Jesus left. He ascended. The Holy Spirit's here with us now, and he is the key guy. But somehow... We get caught up with this idea of the Holy Spirit. We have these ideas. We hear of bad experiences. We, you know, hear stories. And then we, we get into the scriptures. And some, some of the scriptures say this and some say that. And we're not really sure how to, how to handle it. And so 
the Holy Spirit, by no fault of his own, gets this rap that, you know, we, we kind of accept him and kind of don't, right? And so I want to, in the next few weeks, I hope that we could uh, bring some clarity to this and understand what he wants to do with us and in us. And so God wanted his presence so close to us, not just walking with us, but in us. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. And so when we pray, we should be calling on the Holy Spirit daily, all the time. Anyway, let's get into this. Our hope and prayer in this series is that you would become more affectionate and not just more welcoming to the Holy Spirit, but that you would pursue him. There's a difference, right? And so that's what we're hoping will happen in this series. So uh, we're going to talk about something that for me is very exciting, and that's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Say gifts. How many enjoy a gift every once in a while? Right? And so um, I can remember my first year here in Vegas. Uh, It was a very tough year. Uh, Me and my wife moved from Guam. Um, immediately after we got here, a few months later, my son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. My wife serves in the Navy, so you don't negotiate with Uncle Sam. When he says come to work, your property, you go to work. And so I was left to be at home with my son. We had to monitor his sugar. We are getting used to um, giving him insulin injections, which he's now, um, he's dependent on. Every time he eats a meal, he has to uh, take insulin. And so we were learning all that. And so we were kind of blindsided by that. And so I wasn't working. And at the time, uh, let me correct that. My wife was a Navy reservist. So she worked on the weekends, uh, once, one weekend a month. But she was uh, a social worker, which, which is what she has her degree in. And the social work job was kind of an entry-level social work position here in Las Vegas. It was available. She grabbed it. Uh, and that time, a couple of months uh, after that, we moved out. We got our first apartment here. But we didn't have a whole lot going for us. And so we struggled in the beginning, um, you know, one income. And so Christmas comes around. And we have this discussion with my, with my two boys. Now, have you ever, those of you with kids or maybe younger siblings, have you ever had a conversation with them that you thought they absorbed? And then when you bring it back up, they have no idea what you're talking about? This is a conversation we had with our kids. We said, look, we know Christmas is coming around with one income. The first paycheck went to rent and it went to utilities and it was wiped out. So we said, it just so happens that Christmas, you know, is right in that area where we have to wait for the second paycheck. Is it okay if we kind of celebrate Christmas around New Year's? And my kids were like, yeah, no problem. So we're like, oh, wow, that was easy. We had the tree set up. We had the decorations all over our first apartment here. And then our tradition is we open up Christmas gifts at New Year's Eve. That's what we do. And so it came to about 10 p.m. on Christmas Eve. And my kids come out to the living room. And I'm just kind of, you know, chilling, watching TV. And they're like, Dad, are we, are we opening gifts? And I said, wait, I thought we talked about this. Remember, remember we talked about this? We're going to, remember, we're going to do the after Christmas sales, right? We're going to go, and and they were like, wait, what? And I was like, come on, guys. And they said, so we don't have any gifts tonight? And I began to feel bad 
Even just kind of reliving this is kind of triggering me. That's how bad it was. And so my kids were like, Dad, there's no gifts under the tree. And I was like, yeah, but, and I, I began to feel that pressure. And so they, you know, we said, boys, this is what we talked about. They went to the room. They were disappointed. And then I went to my wife. I said, I have to do something. I have to do something. And so I get in my car. It's about 10.30 at night on New Year's Eve. Which stores do you suppose were open? Not even Walmart. They, they went home early. And so I drove around just thinking, God, you've got to do something. There's got to be some place. You know, I went to the gas stations. I'm like, I bought bubble gum if that's what I have to do. And as I was driving down Fort Apache, Fort Apache in Sahara, that's kind of the area we lived. And I was driving by, and I saw this one store that kind of lit up. It was Walgreens. <laughs> it was a pharmacy. Now, I hadn't really noticed the kind of pharmacies that we have here, but I walked in there and realized there's all kinds of stuff in here. I mean, they had toys. They had, you know, uh, of course, your Christmas decorations, and they had, you know, all kinds of different foods. I mean, I, I, I loaded them up with stockings, with snacks. I bought toys. I bought these e emoji uh, pillows. You know, I didn't know they had those in, 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 in Walgreens, and I, I bought a bunch of those. And wouldn't you know it, they even had wrapping paper and scotch tape. As I was coming out, snow starts to come down. And I'm thinking, God, you are so good. You are so Faithful. I run home. I sneak in with these bags. I go to our, to our bedroom and I have my wife help me wrap these gifts. And I go out and out of nowhere, all these gifts appear under the tree. And my kids come out. They're like, wow. What? I'm, and you know what's crazy? What would have been the worst Christmas turned out to be one of the most memorable. That's how faithful God is. And so the kids, I mean, you would have thought, I, you know, I... I Bought the best gifts. There were no robots. There were no remote control toys. There were none of that. But we had a blast. And the kids had their gifts, and not a single one of them was left unwrapped. And I want to pose a question to you. I almost called this message Christmas in July. Because you're going to realize that the Holy Spirit has, he's so generous. And he has so many things for you. He's a gift bearer, and when he gives, he gives good. He gives good gifts. So my question to you is, how many gifts have you not opened? God has all these things for you. Which gifts have you not opened yet? So we're going to have our flagship text. Um going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you want to turn there with me. But I want you to know this, that we as a church, because this message, like I said, is going to be a little bit different. We're going to go over a lot of information that I'm hoping will excite you. But because it's going to be a little bit different, I do want to say this from the front, that we as a church, every nation, Church Las Vegas we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We embrace the gifts of the Spirit. And we want you to see you walk in the gifts that the Holy Spirit has for you. All right, so, um, and before we go uh, into, the, into the scripture, it says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It says, do not be 
Um, it says, eagerly desire gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 says, do not be ignorant of the gifts. And so this is what we're trying to accomplish. The gifts of the Spirit help us grow as a person. Now look at how complete this is. Helps us grow as individuals. And then it helps the church grow. And then it helps us even to reach outside of the church. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish with us. So I have to explain first the difference between a gift and a talent. Okay, a talent is something that comes naturally to somebody. Um, you could be a saint or you could be a sinner and you can have talent. Anybody have any uh, favorite shows that you watch that include music or singing or dancing or anything like that? America's Got Talent, AGT, who watches that, right? And, and so you bring the best of your talent. I can guarantee you half those people probably aren't even believers, and they got talent. So talent is something that comes naturally to anybody and everybody, right? It's not so much spiritual. In order to be talented, you don't even have to be a Christian. You could be human and be talented. Here's the difference between a talent and a gift. Here's a gift. It's an ability given by God to a believer. It's very specific. As opposed to just mankind in general. And it's specifically designed to be used by his people to build the church and to expand his kingdom. It's spiritual because it's given by the Holy Spirit and used by the Holy Spirit to accomplish God's spiritual purposes. That's the difference. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to try to go through this quickly because, again, it's going to be a lot of information. And then at the end, I'll have a few points that we can kind of dig into really quick. Uh, and then I want to make time on the back end of this where we can maybe um, have some discussion. So we'll see how it goes. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 11. It says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Say common good. No problems yet, right? Okay, we're good? For the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Say same Spirit. Spirit is capitalized. That means it's a person. It's the Holy Spirit. Verse 9. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. Uh-oh. Say tongues. We'll get into this. <laughs> to another, the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit. We're going to dig into this because the Bible tells us to dig into this. Uh, by one and the same spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Holy Spirit, even as we are reading about you right now, I pray that you bring an understanding and an impartation 
as we're talking about gifts, I pray that we would not walk out of here uh, empty-handed. Let us discover what you have for us. Let us be willing to embrace it, to walk in it, so that we could, our, our, our spiritual walks would be revolutionized. Uh, and we can do more than just help ourselves. We can help others as well. Bless our time in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Okay, now. If you were to study the gifts of the Spirit, if you were to buy books, if you were to go online, you're going to find uh, different people categorize these in different ways. So I try to condense these as best as I could so I can get through this as fast as I could. So the model that I like, uh, there are three groups of spiritual gifts. All right? And again, this is not exhaustive. Uh, and there are other more, uh, more in-depth, I guess you could say, categories. Uh, they divide them up even more, but I think this is just for, for what we're doing today. This, I think this will fit. I, I like this. So first, our motivational gifts. Say motivational gifts. Uh, and I'm going to give you the scripture to reference. We don't have time to read it. Romans 12, verse 6 and 7 is where you'll find these. But motivational gifts are practical in nature. They're practical in nature. That means almost any one of us, new believer, been following God since you were a baby, it, it applies to everybody, okay? Here's um, the first one, say service. Here's what service is. It demonstrates the love of God by meeting a practical need. I don't have to go into any examples. You can think of some. Change a tire, deliver food to someone's door. Teaching. Teaching validates truth so that others can understand and the church uh, maintains accuracy. Um, giving shares resources in order to meet needs. Anybody stumped yet? Exhortation encourages others to grow spiritually by discipling, teaching, and counseling others. Say encourage. Encourage. Administration carries out projects by recruiting through organizational tasks or by delegating responsibilities. How many um, organized people do we have here? Administrators, you, you like things to be in place and done right. Don't lie, just raise your hand. <laughs> Some of you are already shaking your head like. Administration. And then there's mercy. Demonstrates God's love and compassion by responding to hurt. You don't need to receive training in any of these to operate in these. Some of these are wired in us. And what you'll find it, when it comes to spiritual gifts, everybody, every believer has at least one. We'll get into this uh, hopefully a little bit later. But what you'll find typically is you have a combination of several, which is really cool. So those are the motivational gifts. Next are ministry gifts. Now, ministry gifts are specific to the offices of those who typically serve in full-time ministry. I am a pastor. We'll get into this here in a second. Pastor Matt is a pastor. We have some who are, uh, well, let me just go down the list. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers as an, as an office. Okay, let's go through these each at a time, uh, one at a time. And I was taught, how many here were taught uh, by the fingers on your hand? which eat what each person, kind of their function and their role, okay? Um, so an apostle establishes and builds churches. He's a church 
planter and oversees the churches that he plants. An apostle may function in many or all of the ministry gifts. He is what we consider the thumb of the hand because he oversees everything. He can touch all of the other offices. Make sense? How many have not heard this before? About the hands. Okay, cool. This is going to be cool. All right, so that's an apostle. Obviously, Paul, one of the greatest apostles ever, planted a bunch of churches. He went on missionary journeys, and he would go back and visit from jail. He would write letters, see how they're doing. He would encourage them. And then there are prophets. Now, in the Greek, that word prophet uh, means to foretell in the sense of speaking to others. A prophet functions as God's mouthpiece, speaking forth God's word. Sometimes it has to do with what we don't know. Sometimes um, it's not really predicting the future because God already knows. Um, So it's not like anything new is about to happen. God knew it was planned. And so uh, the mouthpiece of God, the prophet, will will speak that forth before it even happens. Um, The prophet is the index finger or the pointed finger, he points to the future and reveals, uh, reveals what is to come. Uh, now, the Old Testament is full of prophets. You got Elijah, Jeremiah, uh, you got minor prophets, you got major prophets, and then the New Testament also has prophets. Uh, there was Anna, uh, there was Zechariah, uh, and, and more. So, okay, we have the apostle, and then we have the prophet, and then we have the evangelist, who is called to be a witness for Christ. Now, don't let this confuse you because we're all called to be an evangelist, right? We're all called to share our faith, but there are some, this is what they do. Their heart beats to lead people to the Lord, to go to the lost, to preach God's word. They are fearless in doing it. And so the evangelist works usually for a local church to bring people into the body of Christ where they can be discipled where they can grow he may evangelize through different avenues it could be music it could be through speaking it could be through the arts uh, other creative ways he is what we consider the middle finger now be careful okay all my fingers are up okay but he is considered the middle finger because he's the tallest all right you guys like that all right so he's the one who stands out in the crowd some evangelists i'm ashamed to be around because they are so fearless in the way they speak and talk. You know, they're like, Jesus loves you. And then, you know, I'm going, and I'm a pastor, right? And so sometimes they can be, you know, a little strange or a little weird, but that's okay. Uh, they, God honors them. And so they're the tallest one who stands out in the crowd. Evangelists draw a lot of attention. But they are called to serve the local body. Uh, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all, all evangelists. You know, and just, you do you know somebody who they just can't stop talking about Jesus? You know anybody like that, Gary? <laughs> I'm not saying that you're weird. You're definitely not the tallest. <laughs> I just, but no, no, I'm just saying I feel your pain, okay, because I'm definitely not the tallest either. But I tell you, man, Gary just, I mean, he loves to share his faith with other people. That is an evangelist, you know. I'm just wondering when you're going to go full-time, but, you know. And so, uh, anyway, then you have pastors. The pastor is the shepherd of the people. A true shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The pastor is what we call the ring finger because they are married to the church. Make sense? 
married to the church. They're called to stay, oversee, nurture, guide. Some names that might come uh, to mind would be uh, Titus and Timothy in the New Testament. Um, And then finally, there's the teacher. The teacher and the pastor, um, it's common. Sometimes they they share the office. Uh, There are still, still very distinguishable gifts between the two, between pastoring and teaching. Some pastors will have a teaching gift. And some teachers have a pastoral gift, but it doesn't mean that they, um, they still function in that specific uh, individual office. But the teacher lays the foundation and is concerned with the detail and accuracy of God's word. The teacher delights in research and loves to validate that which is true. The teacher is what we are left with, and that's the pinky finger. And the pinky finger likes to grind and pick away at things, right? Right? That's what the teacher does. The teacher gets in there, will we'll pull out truth, and wants other people to know about it as well. So they will pick the word of God, and they will pick truth apart. Again, Paul was one of these, uh, was a great teacher. All right, so we've gone over... Uh, motivational gifts, we've gone over ministry gifts, and this is not to say that you have to be in ministry to kind of function as this. I know people who are not pastors, but they have a pastoral heart. They're always checking on people, seeing how they're doing, they're always concerned, okay, you know what I'm saying? Now, finally, uh, we have manifestation gifts, say manifestation gifts. That already sounds weird, don't it? Manifestation gifts? What is that supposed to be, manifestation gifts? 1 Corinthians 12, 6 is where you can reference that. Um, We'll get, uh, I think we're going to touch on that here a little bit later. Um, Or actually, I think we already did. But that's where you can reference these gifts, okay? Now here, I might spend a little bit more time uh, because these are the ones that give churches the most troubles. This is the stuff that churches will even fight over. How many know what I'm talking about? Our Christian brothers and sisters who we love so much. The Bible tells us don't be ignorant. The Bible wants us to know. The reason why the Bible wants us to know is so that we can operate correctly. So, manifestation gifts. Um, I guess you could divide these up into subcategories under manifestation gifts. First are the discerning gifts, such as the word of wisdom, a divine answer or solution to a specific problem. Now these start to spill over into the supernatural side, something you normally can't do on your own. So word of wisdom is one of those. Word of knowledge is a divine answer or solution Or to know something specific without learning it through natural means. Okay, God gives it to you supernaturally. Uh, Word of knowledge. Discerning of spirits is to be made aware of the presence of a demonic spirit. Now, we're in church. Church is full of spiritual things. Uh, And so there are times where um, myself, and I'm sure there have been others who have experienced somebody who was maybe depressed Um, or oppressed, sorry, and maybe um, even, let's just say demonized, 
demonized, if that makes sense. And so there's been times where we have, you know, run into this, and, and the person was not the person. Um, I, some of you, this might be new, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm just sharing my experiences with you. And I've seen people who were demonized, who uh, were doing things that there was, there's no human, human way possible they could have, they could have been doing it. Um, I've seen faces contort. I've seen, um, I've heard voices, just different voices come out uh, from people. I've seen little women throw grown men around. Um, and so, uh, and I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just telling you my, my experience. And so um, when it comes to discerning of spirits, there will be times where um, we're trying to identify a specific spirit so we can call it out and get it out. And through prayer, uh, one of, somebody will get the word, this is a spirit of this. And sure enough, we'll, we'll call it, and then that spirit reacts, and we know, ah, we found you. We got you, and you cannot stay because God is against you. The blood of Jesus is against you, and he's already won, so there's no room for you here. You're, you're, you're being evicted. You are trespassing, especially if they're a believer. Anyway, we don't have time to get into all that, but discerning of spirits comes in very handy. It's a very supernatural thing. I can tell you a story where uh, there was one person who was just, and she, she didn't know what it was. And so we're praying over her, and, and so finally uh, somebody said, you know, it's, it was a spirit of um, a, a new age spirit, new age. And, and, and one of the guys who were with us was praying and, and picked this up in the spirit. Again, this is supernatural stuff. And he called it out, and immediately there was a, there was a reaction, and we were able to um, get that spirit out. So, um, again, I know these are going to be some great talking points later, um, but I just want to share my experiences of, of supernatural things, and these are things that the Holy Spirit, you couldn't do without them. And I wouldn't want to go into those situations without them. Make sense? So, and then there are declarative gifts, and these are gifts, obviously, that you use your mouth, used for encouragement, not usually correction. Now, there is truth, and sometimes correction needs to be brought. But in, the, in these situations, declarative gifts, when you're declaring, especially publicly, you always want to encourage. The Holy Spirit never wants you to bring somebody in front of people to tear them down. And then there's prophecy, which is a message of encouragement from God through, through uh, a person. Um, if you guys remember, Jory Holman was here a couple of months ago uh, with Pastor Brett, and she has, um, she moves in this gift. And let me just, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'll just say this. When it comes to these gifts, you are not the owner. You are not the owner. And so I get a little, and I think this is where, this is where a lot of the problems are caused when somebody walks around and says, I have the gift of. I have the gift of prophecy. I have the gift of, no, you don't. The Holy Spirit does. You only get the benefit of it. If you know the Holy Spirit, you have access to it. Prophecy, a message of encouragement from God through a person, and then tongues, a message from God in a language unknown to the person from whom the message comes. Maybe I'll bring a little bit of explanation to this because we can read in the Bible. Matter of fact, in the, 
in the book that we're in, it talks about tongues. It's very clear. It mentions several situations, and usually churches will split them apart and land on one side or the other. So some will say, oh, if somebody speaks in a tongue, there must be an interpretation or else it's not right. And then some say, you can speak in a tongue if it's between you and God. So which one is right? Yes. When it comes to tongues, whether you're speaking in your heavenly language or anything else, what what delineates the two is who is, it's being spoken to, if that makes sense. If we are speaking to God, the Bible is very clear. That's between you and him. If you are speaking in a group of people, a tongue, the Bible says if it's not beneficial to everybody, then there needs to be an interpretation. There are two situations. They both are right. And the reason why is because if I speak in a tongue here and you don't understand it, there is no benefit to you. If you were to study the scripture, really what Paul is trying to get to the bottom of is it's for the benefit of building others up. Now, if I'm speaking in a tongue and you don't get it, you are not being built up. Matter of fact, the Bible is very clear. It says if you and the church come together and somebody speaks in a tongue, and somebody who is an unbeliever or uninformed walks in, the Bible says, won't they think you are crazy? So if, you know, I've had people say, why don't you speak in tongues in front of your church? And I'll say, because there are probably going to be some unbelievers there, and there will be some who are uninformed. And so for that reason, I will speak in a language which you can benefit from. Make sense? Okay. That's, that's tongues in a nutshell. It goes a lot deeper than that. But we're going to leave it at that for the sake of time. So, a message from God in a language unknown to the person from whom the message comes. The gift of tongues is speaking to another person because... If it goes to, if it's, that's the purpose. If it's in a meeting and it goes to another person, let there be an interpretation. But the Bible even says, if there is no interpretation, let the person speak in tongues to themselves. So you can speak to yourself in tongues. Some people call it the, the grace of tongues or the uh, devotional gift of tongues. What does devotion mean? It means you wake up, it's between you and God, you read your Bible. You wake up, it's between you and God, and you pray. And so there can be, there is a tongue in which you speak to God that requires no, uh, no interpretation because God understands it. It's his language. If there's nobody else around, guess what? I don't have to bring an interpretation, right? And there's a difference between interpretation and translation. An interpretation means to give an idea of something. A translation is more word for word. Okay, we're not... We're not transcribing what somebody is saying. And so that's why somebody can be in church and speak in a tongue, and then somebody else can translate that. And even though maybe they were speaking in tongues for several minutes, the person can show up and say, oh, God just wants you to be encouraged and have peace. And you're going, that tongue was longer than that message. But, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interpretation. It's not, you know what I'm saying? And so, some of you administrators might go, no, no, I want every word for word. But 
It's an interpretation, not a translation. So, um, let's see. All right, and then there are, the, there's the gift of interpretation of tongues. Understanding and expressing the thought or the intent of the message. We talked a little bit about that. Um, again, we can go a lot deeper with these. Uh, we, just, we just don't have the time. But I hope this whets your appetite a little bit. What I'm trying to do is uh, diffuse something that is, that, that is high potency. When you talk about the Holy Spirit and you talk about spiritual gifts, it's high potency. And so we, sometimes we choose to back away and say, oh, I'm not going to mess with that. And the Bible's saying, no, 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 no. I want you to mess with that, but I want you to understand it first so that you do it properly. That's, that's what we're trying to do here. And then finally, there's uh, under that same um, category of manifestation gifts, real quick, there's power, what some call power gifts, and that's the gift of faith, the extra, extraordinary confidence in God's promises, power, and presence. I had a roommate. This is no lie. He's a chaplain in the army now, but this guy had so much faith. He would pray over everything. Some of you might have heard this story. We were roommates. I had an old Mitsubishi Montero with no AC, as much as I hate humidity, and I would drive around in this thing. And one day I get in my car, and I start it up, and it's dead. And he hears what's going on outside. So I would, you know, back it up and push it down the driveway and jump in and try to pop the clutch. How many know how to pop the clutch? You remember those days when you pop the clutch? Your car wouldn't start, but you can, like... Well, he comes outside. He goes, hey, brother, let's just pray. And I'm going, sure, Mark. Let's just pray. And you know what? He laid his hands on my car. I kid you not. And I felt so bad afterwards. <laughs> he laid his hands on my car and he said, God, we just thank you, you know, for you could do anything. It's just extraordinary confidence. This is the gift of faith. And he said, Lord, help this car to start. And he said, try it. And I'm just feeling bad for him. I'm like, let me just at least try. Guess what happens? My car starts. Guess what happens to my heart? I almost get depressed because I'm like, God, I doubted you and I'm so sorry. Gift of faith. And then there's gifts of healing, supernatural manifestation of the spirit of God that miraculously brings healing uh, and deliverance from disease or infirmity. And then there's working of miracles, God's supernatural power upon a believer enabling them to accomplish something that would uh, otherwise be um, impossible in the natural. All right, now, I'm going to leave just a couple of points with you from our main text that we just read, and then we're going to get back into 1 Corinthians 12 to finish up. But my first point is this, and I want this, I want you to go home with this so you can marinate on it. And again, I hope that this is um, at least tweaking your interest, making you a little bit more intrigued about what the Holy Spirit has and what he wants to do in you, with you, through you. Um, and how that, we're going to talk about how later on that contributes to this bigger picture of our faith walk. Um, and so in verse 7 of the text we just read, it says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Right? We repeated that. Here's my first point. Each one has a God-given gift. Not, not a single one of you here exists without it. Without at least one. Look at somebody and say, you're spiritually gifted. 
So you're supernaturally gifted. See, y'all need the Holy Spirit. Some of y'all aren't even bold enough to do that. You're like, yeah. <laughs> the Greek word is charismata. That's, that's grace. It's a grace gift. Grace is supposed to be something empowering, something easy. It's about building each other up. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. That's why this whole thing with tongues as long as somebody walks away built up, depending on who you're pointed to, if you're pointing it to God, you, you get built up. The Bible says anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Any problems with that? And then it says that uh, the body is built up when somebody speaks in a tongue, and they, they benefit from it. Okay? Um, it's a grace gift. It's about building each other up. Here's my next point. Each gift is determined and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Some of you are going, duh, we're going to get into this. Verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 12 says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now remember, the Holy Spirit is the source, right? He's the source. It's, it's not us. He operates as he wills. We as we mentioned earlier, just have the benefit of using the gift. And so let me paint this in a way that you can understand. I have two sons, Zachary and Zion. Zachary and Zion think they have a cell phone. But they didn't pay for that cell phone. They don't make payments on that cell phone, but if you ask them, that's my cell phone, they'll tell you. That's the culprit right back there. <laughs> they'll tell you, this is my cell phone. No, 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 no. You don't have a cell phone, but you have a dad. He benefits from that cell phone based on our relationship. You do not have any of this Without, apart from a relationship with God. And again, what I'm trying to uh, remind us is the way we have a relationship with God, the way we have a relationship with Jesus, we need to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The single most person. Jesus saved you. That's only part of it. The Holy Spirit says there's more to this than just being saved. You're going to get to heaven, but there's more to accomplish here on this side of heaven. That's why you need me. And because he's a, he's a gentleman, he will never force himself on you. That's why the Bible uses words like grieving and quenching. Have you ever, I can remember the first time I was dropping my, my kids off at the mall, and they were like, Dad, Dad, yeah, you can drop me off right here. And I was like, oh, like way back, way back here? Like way far from the entrance where your friends are at? Yeah, Dad, no, no, it's cool, it's cool, we can walk. Oh. How many know at that moment I was being quenched? No, I'm not trying to make my kids feel bad, but I was being grieved, but I get it. And we can do the same thing to the Holy Spirit who wants us to understand, who wants us to know, who wants us to receive and to accept, but we go, no thanks. No thank you. I'll take the salvation part. I'll take the heaven this other stuff, uh, I'm, just not, I'm just not sure. That's what it means to grieve. That's what it means to quench. 
Um, so you have access to these gifts based on relationship. You have to know God. You have to accept Jesus. He sends the Holy Spirit. And now things get a lot easier, both practically, spiritually. Doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. Okay, don't misinterpret that. But you have access to the gifts based on relationships. All right, and then finally, each gift is equally valuable and necessary. We know all the gifts are valuable, but say necessary. Okay, they are needed. Not only do you need them, the church needs them. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21 through 26 says this. This is going to be our final verse. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our uh, unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. I don't know what it is about waking up in the middle of the night, having to go to the bathroom or get a drink, and on your way through the dark, you stub your pinky toe. The pain is the worst in the world, but your whole entire body reacts. That's what it's talking about. And if you think your pinky toe is not important, let's cut it off. I bet you, you will miss it. <laughs> Everything is important. Every part plays a part. And when one is not there, one is not doing something right, it, it comes across as a little bit strange or different. And God is saying he does not want his, his bride to be that way, his church, his people. Every gift that God has placed in the body of Christ is important. All of us have at least one gift, but I promise you, you'll probably discover a lot more. Nobody has all of the gifts, so the person who thinks they do stay far, far away from them. They're probably weird and super spiritual. The only one who had all these gifts was Jesus. But God gives you the gift that fits you the best. Now, I don't know about you, but that encourages me. That I don't have to be somebody that I am not. God wired me this way. I'm quite comfortable being who he has called me to be. I remember when I first uh, surrendered my life to God thinking, man, I got I to gotta change all kinds of stuff. You know what God told me? Keep your personality. That's going to help. Get rid of the sin. Get rid of the bad stuff. That wasn't easy. I'm still working on that. I'm sure you are too. God tailors your gift just for you because he, the way that he wants you to operate, he wants you to be very natural and very good at it. But you have the gifts. Now we just got to embrace them. 
unwrap them, receive them, embrace them, and then bring it to God. See what it looks like for yourself and then see what it looks like with other believers. And I promise you, there's going to be a whole other side to this Christianity that you're going to love and you're going to enjoy because God has called us to walk together. God has called us to be a body, all joined together. You know what would be a nightmare? If Jesus is the head, and you know there's a lot of weird people, they say, oh, it's just me and Jesus. I don't have to go to church. I can be at home with Jesus, and you know, it looks like a horse show. They got a head right under their arm going, me and Jesus. Jesus is the head, and I can just, I don't need you other people. And it looks, it's just, it's strange. God never intended the body to be that way. And the Bible says that the church matures as every joint, every part supplies as we move forward together. I can't take my foot off and leave it behind. It just, it just doesn't work that way. God wants that for us. So God wants you, and God has chosen you, and he's gifted you to get the job done. He's gifted you to be effective. Your gifts are valuable, and don't let them go untapped. Amen? All right, it's my hope and prayer that you'll pursue these spiritual gifts. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for how you care for us so much. How you are so, so, so generous. And when you give, you, you don't hold back. You give good gifts. You give complete gifts. You give gifts that are life-changing, not just for us, but for others, and they're powerful. And the greatest part is they fit us just right. Lord, of all these things that we went over, and we know that there's more, but I hope there's something that resonates with every single person here today as we talk about spiritual gifts. Holy Spirit, we invite you in because we know you won't force yourself. We willingly invite you in. and We say, do a work in our lives. Bring illumination, bring revelation to things that we don't even know about that you have just for us. So Lord, uh, we thank you that, uh, Lord, you, it'll revolutionize our life. It'll revolutionize any church that we become a part of. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.